0: This is the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast, sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors podcast is also sponsored by Visit Bemidji and Grant Haven Campground. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors covers the lakes, woods, trails, wildlife, and anything else going on outdoors in Paul Bunyan's playground. The first, if you love the outdoors and are looking for ways to align your education with future employment in the trades, Northwest Technical College in Bemidji is for you. Explore state-of-the-art technical education in six career paths, automotive, building trades, business, health, child care, and manufacturing technology, all in the heart of Minnesota's Northwoods, surrounded by more than 400 lakes and, of course, limitless forests. The shortest path to your dream job and a good bite is at NTC, Bemidji's Technical College. Learn more today. Visit ntcmn.edu. We're heading into the weekend. That's good news number one. Jason Durham is on the show. That's good news number two. And you know when Jason's here, something weird's going to happen. He decides to take over a segment. The nerve. You'll have to listen to find out what it's all about. Thank God it's Friday, gonna cast out a lot. the after, afternoon, sun is flying, oh so high. I'm a peaceful Brother. kind of guy, most usually, but I'm hunting all the fishes in the deep blue sea, making sure my bait is all nice and stinky, gonna add a little, let it make the bait go sinky, we can wait another day to do the patchwork laundry, cause now we're going th-
1: When planning your trip up north, plan to park your RV or camper at the spacious Grand Haven RV Campground in Bemidji. You'll be in the perfect area to ride ATV. Fish, hunt, and hike. With free parking for your boats and trailers and located just off Highway 2 west of Bemidji, Grand Haven Campground is the center point for your next Northland adventure. Fish hundreds of surrounding lakes and cruising the miles and miles of the ATV trails northern Minnesota has to offer. Visit GrandHavenCampground.com and book your stay today.
0: This is Bro reminding you that the coolest people are on fishing pole Bunyan country and Kevin Jackson, too. Well, it's been too long. I say that every time I talk to him, but I say that whenever I talk to a lot of people because there's so many great people to talk to that you don't get to talk to people as much as you'd like. But here he is, Jason Durham of
1: GoFish Fish Guide Service. Welcome back. Thanks, Kev. I was thinking about the same thing the other day, where I do, I, I love listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, and uh, I, I follow it. I listen to the anglers that are on there because there are so many talented Uh, your league of extraordinary anglers really are extraordinary but years ago there weren't as many you didn't (laughs) talk to as many people and you and I would talk several times over the course of the summer and now we get to chat like twice yeah (laughs) And, and you know what it is it's not a bad thing because people should be able to hear from all these different perspectives it's great it's just great.
0: And I think it's probably, you know, you were such a persuasive person, more and more people took up fishing and said, This is what I want to do.
1: Is that what it was? Sure. I really, I was the influencer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I I will I'll put that on my resume.
0: Yes, you were a pre-social <laughs> media influencer. <laughs> Well, Jason, you were just mentioning to me that uh, despite it all, uh, even with more and more guides out there, you are as busy as ever. Uh, In fact, this is just your third day off, and here you are talking fishing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So even if you had wanted to talk to me, figuring out a time that we could do that would have been incredibly difficult. Uh, Yeah, it's been a, a busy, busy summer, and I'm impressed with that because there are not as many boats out on the water this year, at least what I'm seeing here in the Park Rapids area. You talk to the watercraft inspectors, they'll say the same thing. Yesterday I was over on Long Lake. I was the only trailer at the access. Now, granted, you know, fall sports are starting up. Families are starting to to gravitate back towards the school schedule, which some places that's even starting next week. But just after the 4th of July, things really really uh, declined in terms of boat activity, and I don't mind it. I I like having the lake to myself. (laughs) I like not having to battle for fishing area or fight off the waves of recreational boaters. Uh, But there are still people coming to the area that are hardcore, focused on angling and getting out in the boat. Would you say
0: that the vast majority, well, maybe not vast majority, just how many people of your uh, clients are anglers that, that know how to fish but just uh, want some help in this area and how many of them are well we're in northern Minnesota and we're supposed to fish so let's give this thing a try
1: I, I love this question so much Kev because my clients are very diverse I had a, I had a person, in, well three people in the boat uh, yesterday afternoon they were just traveling through the area they actually travel around the country selling merchandise uh, for like uh, political rallies and pride events Town celebrations and they go all over the U.S. They just happened to be coming through and wanted to get out on the water. Uh, really interesting people had never caught a northern pike, had never caught a walleye, had never caught a rock bass. And so those things were really, really important to them. They didn't want limits of fish to keep. They wanted enough for dinner that night for three people, which doesn't take much. They didn't want leftovers because they're going to be traveling. Uh, A lot of anglers that I get on board do have some experience angling, but not everybody. I had somebody uh, two days ago that was holding the rod upside down, and that's an easy, coachable, teachable moment that is valuable to the anglers. I've also had people that really want just the experience of getting out in a boat who have never been in a boat before. Uh, There was a guy the other day that was talking to me, and he said – People want limits. The people I take out, they want limits. The people I take out, they want experience more than anything. And I've had guests that have requested that they want to go to a lake that I've never been to. They want to see how I break down the water, how I attempt to find fish out there, and they find that part valuable. So it's to each their own, really, and experience doesn't matter. When, When you come on board my boat you don't have to have a background i have people that apologize for it a lot oh i really don't know what i'm doing i'm not going to judge you i'm going to help you i mean it's just like in my classroom not all of the kids come in with the same level of experience and knowledge and they don't all leave with the same level of experience and knowledge and it's the same in the boat i'm going to take you from whatever level you're at and we're going to progress forward from there okay and
0: uh how has the waters of park rapids been this year
1: you know, I would say it's been very, very good. Uh, I love right now how we've had this kind of cooler weather. We we kind of uh, flirted with that 80-degree water water temperature mark for a short period of time, and that declined fairly quickly. So I, I like that in terms of just uh, uh, kind of a health of the lake standpoint. And the fish have been biting. I mean, August is, I would say probably the the most difficult months to catch fish overall, but that doesn't mean it's bad, because it's not. Uh, people reference the dog days of summer a lot in August, but man, we, we still catch a lot of fish, and sometimes you just have to change what your expectation is in terms of, well, we might not go out and get uh, a whole bunch of walleyes, But we're going to get a lot of bites, we're going to get a lot of bends in the rod, and we're still going to catch walleyes, Mm -hmm. just maybe not to to the degree that we do, say, in June or the early part of the season. Part of that, too, is we don't necessarily target walleyes in that deep, deep water. Like, take Long Lake that I was on yesterday. We could have gone and caught walleyes very, very deep, but... We're going to have a certain level of mortality due to barotrauma. And for the listeners, if you don't know what barotrauma is, it's kind of like the bends with humans when they're diving, uh, that you just have atmospheric pressure um, at certain levels. If you get beyond 33 feet of water, that's another atmosphere. And those fish can sustain damage, physical damage from coming up from that deep water. And so we want to you know, be careful. We want to be careful with those fish and make sure that what we don't want to keep can swim away.
0: Well, we are getting into that time of year. As we, as you mentioned, uh, we're kind of changing seasons. We're into that slower period. But then fall kicks in, and that bite changes dramatically. And, uh, you know, the weather might be lousy, but the fishing is usually pretty excellent until, uh, until it freezes over.
1: It really is. And the angling pressure declines the later we get into the fall. More people take up hunting. I don't hunt anymore. I used to, and I enjoy hunting, but I enjoy fishing a lot more. And when that water starts to cool, then you'll see those fish start getting out of that deep water, at least move, moving into moderate depths, but they're a little bit, uh, I, I don't want to say easier to target, but they're, uh, it's, it's easier to target them from a conservation standpoint, mm-hmm. and they're active. I would say you don't get bothered as much by those, those little fish. Like sometimes when you're walleye fishing right now, especially with night crawlers, those those little sunfish and perch and rock nests, they can rip through bait really fast. But when we get into the fall, we're using more minnows than anything, and you're not getting bothered by those small fish. and even if you are using a night crawler, you're just not having the the prevalence of them in the same areas
0: um the uh, the walleye populations
1: out on your area lakes. what are they looking like to you? Oh, you know really good in fact. The DNR does whole lake population assessment and lake surveys every uh, few years. And they were doing some gill netting on several of our lakes. I mean, there's so many lakes, there's always a lake study going on, right? And I always enjoy talking to our our DNR employees and and finding out the health of the lakes. And we're looking really good. You know, one that is uh, gonna be just a standout coming up is Potato Lake in the next couple of years. That's gonna have an incredible population of walleye. Uh, and it has a a really good population right now. I mean, the the catchable, keepable fish and those trophy-sized fish are prevalent in that lake. However, according to the DNR, there is an absolute incredible amount of bait fish in there right now. And so a lot of those fish that they caught in the nets for the surveys were absolutely jam-packed with minnows. So, you know, trying to get the fish to eat your bait versus the bait that's already there if they're already full uh, is a little bit trickier. And people ask me about that all the time. Like if we're using a minnow for bait, they'll say, well, if we're fishing this school of bait fish here that you see on your sonar, why would they eat our bait instead of the minnows that are already there? Well, you know, fishing is based entirely on theory. And <laughs> I can give you my theories of why it happens, but in reality, we don't know 100% for sure. But it could be that we have a bait that stands out a little bit more. It looks injured when it's on the hook. It's a little bit different size. Uh, there's a lot of different reasons, but I'll tell you this: it, it works.
0: If you know, as a human, if I'm eating chicken every day and somebody brings a uh, a ribeye past my uh, my eyes, I'm I'm taking the ribeye.
1: Yes, I would too. <laughs> yeah, I would too.
0: So I mean, something different definitely, I think plays plays a good role.
1: I, I agree with that, and um, size, size of bait is a really big thing, and a lot of people don't understand that a fish will readily, readily take a bait half the size of their body and even up to three-quarters of, three of the size of their body, um, and a lot of times we're using baits that are much, much smaller than that, so uh, really sizing up on the bait, people, people are surprised at how big of, of a bait, of, of a minnow or a lure that a fish will attack. Um.
0: So you usually, I mean, every year I seem to find some strange picture on your Facebook page <laughs> of either you diving in and bringing a fish out or bringing a rod back. So what weird things have happened this year on your boat?
1: Oh, oh my gosh. I mean, I don't have to back up far to get to this. <laughs> I can start with yesterday. And I had a, a, a client in the boat, a, a woman who had a, a really small crappie bite or night crawler, and she didn't realize it. And all of a sudden she goes, oh, I got one. And she pulled up a 26-inch northern, um, but it had bit the crappie that was on the line. And it, the, the crappie wasn't in the fish's mouth. The crappie was just up, you know, kind of on the line above the hook. Mm. Uh, so it was really tough to figure out you know, did did the northern actually eat the crappie on her hook, or was the crappie in the northern's mouth? She hooked the northern, but actually hooked the crappie while it's inside the mouth. But <laughs> that has happened before too. I did have a woman on board this year that caught two northern's at the same time on one live bait rig. Now you might think, okay, the bigger northern tried to eat the little northern. That is not what happened. When you're fishing a northern or a, a minnow, excuse me, on a on a live bait rig, it's very common to catch a fish and hook the fish in the mouth, but then the minnow slides up the line between the hook and the sinker. And so the the woman and her husband were standing shoulder to shoulder in the boat. They both set the hook simultaneously, and I thought, well, this could be one fish that took two baits, because we've had that happen now 27 times in my career.
0: Really? It could.
1: Whoa. Oh, my gosh. It's a common thing. <clears throat> the deeper water you're in, the more apt it is to happen, because... You don't feel the bite as easily. That fish can move around a lot more and take a minnow, and then it'll swim over and grab somebody else's. (laughs) Uh, So you have two hooks in the mouth. Yeah, I always get a picture with both anglers holding the fish. So I thought it could be that situation. It could be that there's just one fish, and it got wrapped around both lines because we're in fairly deep water, 24 feet. Or it could be two fish, and they got wrapped up together. So they're both fighting the fish. Her line's coming up first, and I see this 20-inch northern and a 28-inch northern, a bigger fish cheek-to-cheek right next to it, and I said, as I'm netting the fish, oh, yeah, you guys just got tangled up together. And the guy says, no, my line's still back here. (laughs) So his fish comes up. His is a northern, too. So now I've got three northerns in the net and only two lines in the water. Well, I unravel this whole mess and find out the minnow slid up the line. She had hooked the 20-incher. The minnow slid up the line. The 28-incher hit the minnow on the line and just never let go. So she actually caught two pike at once. Wow. Unbelievable. I mean, I, I love when that stuff happens. Um, anglers oftentimes ask, times ask me about, uh, do you ever catch a fish with a like a hook or a lure in its mouth? Uh, over on Big Sand Lake this year, I had an angler that, that caught a, a northern pike. And I took the hook out and I looked back in its mouth and I said, oh, look at this. This is cool. And I took out another hook. And then I looked back in the mouth and I said, oh, wait, there's more. And I took out another hook. And then I looked back in the mouth, and I said, oh, wait, there's more. And here there was a line going down into the fish's throat. There was another hook in there, uh, but pulling on the line, I could tell it was, it was down very deep. I couldn't extract the hook, so I cut the line just so it was shorter, more comfortable for the fish. But including the angler in my boat, including their hook, there were four hooks in this pike. Wow. <laughs> and then, of course, there was the smallmouth that we caught three times in 20 minutes. And that was a big fish, it was almost 20 inches long. Uh, a young boy in my boat, 10 years old, he uh, caught it first, and it was uh, on a minnow. We measured it with almost 20 inches. It was as about as wide as a piece of copier paper. Hmm. I mean, this thing wow. was old, it was very thick, incredibly thin across the back. It didn't fight much at all. Hmm. We let it go, 10 minutes later, his grandmother catches it on a leech. <laughs> we, I, I immediately, as soon as I netted, I said, oh, it's the same fish. And they said, how can you tell? And I took it out of the net, and they said, oh, you're right. I mean, mm-hmm. right away, oh, it's that same old thin fish. We let it go 10 minutes later. It bites grandpa's night crawler. So three different baits, three different anglers. I mean, think about that smallmouth. And, of course, fish can't think like that. this. They can't process in this way. But think that, nor- that, that smallmouth says, Oh, I'm so hungry. I'm so starving. I'm going to eat this minnow. Gets caught. He goes, I better not eat any more minnows. Okay? <laughs> I'm going to try this leech. Get the, bites the leech and gets hooked again and then goes, okay, I can't eat minnows. I can't eat leeches. How about this night crawler? You know? <laughs> and you wonder why this fish is so thin. Every time it tries to eat, it gets caught.
0: Well, maybe he's just trying to go to the big lake in the sky and you keep putting
1: them back. Uh, that could be, too. And, and it's Here's another thing I find interesting, Kev. You and I are referring to that fish as he. Yeah. There's a very good chance that that's a fish like that. You know, in the the animal world, a lot of times the males are bigger, more colorful. In the fish world, it's the females. You want to touch the females. But we just kind of gravitate towards saying he or him, which, you know, we should be saying she a lot. An absolute ton more to cover with Jason
0: Durham from Go Fish Guide Service. When we return, we find out the weirdest thing that's ever happened in his boat. Hey, I'm Jason Rylander. The Jason Becking girl beard like a grown-up. And this is Fish in Paul Bunyan Country. If you're fascinated by what you're hearing today, Bemidji State University might be the place for you when it comes to college. They're located amid the lakes and forests of the Northwoods, and it's the only place in Minnesota where you can earn a four-year degree in aquatic biology. It's a state-of-the-art program on the shores of Lake Bemidji giving you high-tech lakeside facilities and ample opportunity for research and a hands-on education. You can choose fisheries biology, aquatic systems, or wetlands ecology. An aquatic biology education at Minnesota's premier Northwoods University, it's the right fit for you. Visit BemidjiState.edu. Hi, this is Nate Blazing of
1: the NIFLA Guide League, and I'm doing
0: my best. Kevin Jackson from embarrassing himself. The legendary Jason Durham of Gopher's Guide Service is my guest today. Well, what is the weirdest thing that's ever happened in the boat?
1: Ever? Ever? Oh my gosh! I mean, the, the muskie <laughs> the musky that tried to eat a 24-inch northern, and we landed both of them. That was weird. Catching that's the cool. uh, single vertebrae from a bison—that was weird. <laughs> um, uh, catching the bra—I mean, that was. It doesn't happen every day. No, no, no. A lot of, lot of things like that. I mean, last year having a rod go overboard, getting it back an hour later, and the fish is still on there. <laughs> the fish breaks the line. And then a week <laughs> later I go out and I catch the fish. I mean, I mean there's, there's so many things. If you spend enough time on the water, crazy things are going to happen. I will tell you one that um, not every angler has experienced. But potentially could, especially as we get into fall. Uh, about two weeks ago, we caught a loon. Oh, really? And yeah, uh, that's actually the sixth loon that we've ever had hooked. And uh, strangely enough, one of my guide clients has caught three of the six. But it partially goes to time of year, because as we get later, or even into the early fall and those moons start to migrate down to the Gulf of Mexico, the adults will leave and migrate earlier than the young of the year birds. And those young of the year birds are sticking around. They're getting really aggressive. They're trying to feed up and grow and get enough energy to make that flight. And so if you're using minnows, I mean, that's a natural forage for them and they move fast. They can cover a vast distance very quickly. Um, you know, we've been really fortunate in all the loons that we've hooked. They've survived. Um, they've been okay. So it's not something we, we intend to do by any means, and we respect all animals out on the lake. Uh, this last one where it got hooked was probably, you know, right in the beak, which in all honesty is not necessarily a, the worst thing because then the line that's going across its beak, which is serrated, And so I spotted around long enough that it actually cut the line right there at the knot, where if we had the line break halfway, you know, to the rod, then there'd be all kinds of fishing line, and then it could potentially get tangled up in the line and prove fatal. So, you know, the the loon's okay. I've been back on the lake. I've seen it several times. Because they are territorial, you, you can find a bird pretty easily again. In fact, the first two loons that we ever hooked That was it. Was the same bird in the same area, and that bird is still alive. (laughs) That was years ago. I mean, they have loons have a long lifespan, so you know that's if you do if you do encounter one, um, you know, try your try your absolute best uh, to get the hook out and at least as much line out. But they're probably going to be okay. Um, One of the other interesting catches this summer, we caught. I had a nine-year-old boy in the boat catch a 36 and a half inch northern and it was uh four days after that i was out on the same lake it was big sand lake and a boat pulled up fairly close to us there's two young boys maybe 12 or 13 years old and the client's on board said hey they've got a fish on over there and i could tell right away he had a big pike on well the other person in the boat his buddy is trying to record this on his cell phone but he's also trying to run the net. Ooh. So I can see this going a couple different ways, <laughs> none of which are good. So I, I don't know these kids or anything. So I get, get out my phone and I start recording it. I figure if he's got a cell phone, he's got a phone number, I can send him this video and he'll appreciate it. Well, anyway, he lands the fish and everybody in my boat erupts. We're all cheering and screaming and whistling. You know, this is cool. Well, he takes a picture of it, measures it, lets it go. I get his number. And I said, how big was it? It's 36 and a half inches. Well, I noticed when he took the picture that there was a mark on the side. It was about the size of a quarter. And uh, anyway, I, I sent him the video, and I said, hey, I want to show you something. I said, we caught that same fish four days ago. And I sent him the picture, and he said, you're right. You're 100% right. It was so evident. So paying attention to, you know, some of those unique markings on fish, you'll be surprised at at how often you will encounter them again. But what a great lesson. It was a great lesson for the people on board my boat. We caught that giant fish. We released it. We let it go for somebody else to catch. Mm -hmm. We saw those boys catch it, so they understood the importance of catch and release. Plus, my client that caught it four days prior, the nine-year-old boy, what a great lesson for him. Mm -hmm. Catch and release, when we release fish, a lot of times people are thinking about Putting, putting the fish back to create more fish, having that genetic strain passed on to future generations. But it's not all about reproduction. Sometimes letting that big fish go is simply so somebody else can catch it.
0: Right. Absolutely. Well, we're getting into um, the uh, the smallmouth catch and release season. We should talk about that because smallmouth bass fishing is very popular in the area, your area and certainly getting more popular up here because we're getting more and more smallmouth bass up here. Are you seeing an increase in the smallmouth numbers in your area as well?
1: Yeah, not necessarily. We've always had yeah, you've always had a, numbers yeah. around here. Uh, but I do see smallmouth bass increasing for sure in popularity throughout the state. Look at some of these fisheries where those populations are expanding, like Leech Lake, for instance. Uh, man, it's growing really, really fast. There are a few lakes around here that I've actually am starting to see the smallmouth population decline some. And that could be for a couple different reasons. I know they do get targeted uh, quite a bit when they're spawning. And even if you're not keeping the fish, you know, if it's caught enough times, that will definitely impact its reproduction. It's kind of interesting to me how uh, the DNR, and I'm, I'm a huge advocate for the DNR. I mean, these are people that are trained in managing our fisheries. I know there are a lot of people who are opponents to the DNR and think that they can't do anything right. Uh, fishery science is a, it's, it's a very, it's interesting because it's all an experiment to some degree, but there's science that backs it. And I find it interesting that in our state we have this regulation for um, catch and release season for the smallmouth bass because they will travel these same migratory routes and they'll go on and, and set up camp on what they call these winter hibernaculums. It's these areas that they'll stay all winter long. So if you figure out where one of these is late in the fall or even early in the fall, uh, those fish are highly susceptible to overharvest. So I agree with protecting them for sure. But when the the bass season opens in the spring and Memorial Day weekend, uh, you can go and keep smallmouth bass, and it's while they're spawning. And I understand that further south in the state that the spawn might be complete. But here in the north country, uh, those bass are still spawning. And, and anybody with a little bit of knowledge can go out and, and really have an impact on the future populations of bass. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if there's a solution to that or not. But if the, if the populations are growing and, or they're stable, then, you know, harvest isn't necessarily a bad thing. Harvest is a good thing. People should keep fish. Um, but I, I'm just very selective about when and, and how I do that.
0: Well, you know, the bass anglers historically have been very, very aggressive or very, very adamant about catch and release. And that certainly has uh, has worked its way through the other populations as well and now uh you know a couple generations later it just it's kind of second nature for most serious minnesota anglers
1: i would totally agree and the biggest impact on that has been the internet yeah just with the information that's available and it's re-coaching our current generation of what is acceptable and unacceptable i will say you know there's a there's a there's a gray area there's a gray area between what is legal and what is ethical. And I mean, you have to be careful about that, especially if you're putting out information on social media, you might be, you know, showing a fish that you kept and somebody else says, well, no, that's not acceptable to keep. Everybody has their own idea, even though it might be legal. I've had people in the boat before that say, okay, we're only going to keep walleyes between 15 and 17 inches. Everything else goes back. Well, legally, legally, you know, you can keep sizes beyond that, but that's their choice. And everybody has their own choice when they go angling about what is legal, or I'm sorry, they don't have any choice about what is legal. <laughs> they have their choice about what is acceptable, um, but, you know, encouraging others to release those big fish or, uh, you know, release those really small fish, have practice selective harvest. You know, we can encourage others to do that, but you're not going to sway everybody's opinion.
0: No, absolutely not. Um, what have you seen out of the water this year? Anything that uh, concerns you or thinks pretty good in your neck of the woods?
1: I am so proud of Hubbard County that we do more watercraft inspections than any county in the state. And it is very rare that I go to launch my boat and there's not an inspector there. I'm also impressed with the anglers and how they have embraced this program as well. When, when it initially started years ago, uh, there were some conflicts. I, I think anglers felt like AIS inspectors uh, were trying to kick at them for something or not allow them to fish the lakes. And I think some of the AIS inspectors felt like they had more jurisdiction than they actually did. But that has all leveled out over the years, and um, everybody knows the program. Everybody pulls up, they know, you know, they're they're – boat needs to be dry, the plug needs to be out, uh, that it only takes, you know, a minute for them to get inspected. And it's really no additional time out of your day. You're going to be checking your trailer anyway. Now you have somebody helping you do that. So in terms of aquatic invasives, we're looking good. We know we're not going to stop it, but we're going to try to you know, prevent it as, absolutely as long as possible. So the lakes are looking really good at, uh, from a health standpoint. One thing that does concern me a little bit, um, we're starting to see pelicans show up. And the first uh, time that I saw some pelicans here was just a couple. And now that has started to expand. I don't know if the flyway is changing. I'm not a pelican scientist, I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> but um, when you're starting to see, especially in, in June, where there are, you know, 100 pelicans on a small lake. It's concerning. Um, and we're starting to see some that are sticking around now, too, throughout the season. So uh, does that have an impact on the fishery? I don't know. We, we, uh, there were never eagles when I was a kid. There right. were never trumpeter swans. There were never turkeys here. Maybe this is not necessarily a negative thing. It's just something I've noticed.
0: Okay, well, yeah, and pelicans do like fish, as do eagles. and so do people if we truly
1: you know we were talking about selective harvest sizes to keep you know this and that i'll tell you honestly if if, as anglers if we truly wanted to do what is in the best interest of the fish in the fishery we wouldn't fish
0: yeah well and we're not
1: going to stop doing that
0: terrible and i'm not encouraging it's a terrible idea it's a horrible (laughs) idea (laughs) When we return, no more terrible ideas, and Jason takes over the show and does a reverse past five. I'm Kevin Cochran of Kevin Cochran's Musking Guide Service, and I catch fish bigger
1: than Kev Jackson on a daily basis. Hi, I'm Dick Beardsley with Dick Beardsley Fishing Guide Service. I'd like to invite you to drop a line in one of the 400 lakes in the Bemidji area. We have 160 miles of biking trails. Forest trails, campsites, you can even get your picture with Paul Bunyan and Babe is Blue Ox. And when your adventures are done, we have some of the best eateries that Minnesota has to offer. Plus, much, much more. And don't forget to check us out at the Minnesota State Fair in the Education Building. Bemidji, one step further. I'm Kevin
0: Cochran and you're listening to Fishing Paul Bunyan Country. It's a great show today because we have Jason Durham of Go Fish Guide Service. Well, if we're going to head down your way and do some fishing in the Park Rapids area right, right about now, what should we be fishing for and what should we be using?
1: Uh, so really, the panfish bite here has been outstanding. But the fish haven't been in the typical areas that we find them this time of year. Usually we're on the outskirts of the weed line in that like 16 to 20 feet of water. And this year, right now, we're seeing fish up in like 10 feet. Nine, ten feet of water, we're getting lots of crappies and lots of big bluegills. Some really nice, really nice sunfish this year. I mean, the number of one-pound-plus sunfish that I've seen uh, is pretty astounding. And and that, you know, that is uh, a special, special fish, not something that you run into every day. Right. Also not one that you probably want to put in the frying pan. Um, we had, the other day, we had three ten-and-a-quarter-inch pumpkin seeds. Those wow. are huge pumpkin seeds. And it was tough. I, I had a client in the boat who uh, genera- generationally was akin to keeping the bigger the better. And as soon as he saw those panfish, he went, oh, that's a good one to keep. We used to catch them like that all the time, but we, we haven't caught one like that in years. Yeah, because we used to keep all those huge ones like that. That's why you don't see them as as readily as, as, as in the past. Uh, so it was a little bit of education in putting those fish back. Um, the bass fishing right now has been incredible, absolutely incredible. We had, in a wild card event here this past weekend, uh, an angler got a, what was it, like seven? It was over seven, almost eight-pound bass, 7.75. That's a huge largemouth. I don't care where you are in the state of Minnesota. That is gigantic. So to see one up here in the north country, that's almost unfathomable.
0: Wow, yeah.
1: <laughs> that is that, that's good. But that's that's great news. Yeah, their their total bag on five fish for five largemouth was over twenty seven pounds. Wow! You don't see that in tournaments up here very often.
0: No, no. Um, so I've been putting this off because I'm a little nervous about this. Oh, uh, I
1: yeah. So, <laughs> I am so excited about this, Kev <laughs> I know you like to do the the fast five. Yeah, the fast five with your guests. So, I wanted to flip flop this today. and We are doing the first ever <laughs> Fast Five with Kev Jackson. Oh, boy. You are in the hot seat this time. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm are you nervous. ready, Kev?
0: I, I guess. I guess.
1: One, two, three, five. Fast Five. In reverse. Yeah, Question number one What's your middle name? Lee, Lee, Kevin Lee Jackson. Correct. So, as a kid, did your did your mom did she ever say that to you? Like when you're when you'd get in trouble or anything? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> now, now, if you do something that really upsets me, I'll go Kevin Lee Jackson. That that's yeah.
0: Then I'll say that's either my mom or my wife. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like it. Question number two. When you eat fish, what do you put on it? Um
0: I actually really like um Charlie Wareth's
1: um, batter. Oh the fish batter. Yep. But yep. once you but, oh and that is good. It's very good. Charlie Wareth. Great dude. Yes. Fish batter. Uh but do you put anything on the fish after you try? Do you put lemon? Do you Tartar sauce, do you do anything like that?
0: Um, <laughs> Depending on how well it's prepared, I'll either do a little lemon squirt, or if it's not prepared that great, i got to add a little tartar sauce.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you what I put on fish, and a lot yeah. of people will uh, kind of, uh, well, I don't know if they'll appeal, it'll be appealing to them. I like ketchup. Oh. I know. Don't try it. Don't try it, because if you do... You're going to fall in love with it. and want to eat it every day. <laughs> so don't do it. Okay. Question number three. Okay. Replaceable batteries or rechargeable batteries?
0: Uh, you mean like in a flashlight or something? Yeah. Uh, replaceable.
1: Okay. You know, this is something that I've thought about recently because I've got headlamps that I use in the boat a lot. Um, all kinds of... There's so many different controllers that we have now for everything... And some of them, you, you plug them in on your USB cable, and, and they charge up. And then after time, they don't work anymore. And finding that, you know, the exact battery that goes with whatever it is that you have, you can't find it. Yeah. So then the whole item has to be replaced. So I'm with you. I like I like replacing it.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, what's the best part about summer?
0: Talking to you guys every day. I knew you
1: were going to say that. Oh, my gosh, Kev, it warms the cockles of my heart. I was going to say corn on the cob and watermelon. But,
0: uh, <laughs> well, those are, you know, those are a close second and third. But uh.
1: <laughs> Okay, and question number five, and I'm most excited for this question. What is your most embarrassing moment on air?
0: <laughs> my most embarrassing moment on air. Um well it's it's a bit of a long story but I was doing it was back when I did play by play we were doing a I believe it was a playoff basketball game in Fergus Falls and um we um it was a very tight game one of our players came down with a rebound got got hit and for some reason the uh, the call was uh, called against our player he was called for the foul And so then the timeout was called, I went to break, and you couldn't hear the commercials in those days. I thought I was at break, and I said, man, did that call suck. Right over the airwaves. Oh, no. And I heard about it for about three weeks after that. Every time I went out somewhere, people said, hey, that call really sucked. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: have you got stung by the hot mic
0: i got stung by the hot mic i was a much younger man then
1: oh man i course, I'll tell you my and i've had lots of embarrassing moments in life uh i threw up at the school christmas program <laughs> in front of about 500 parents i mean up in front, in front oh oh um i got pantsed in high school while i was carrying a set of symbols and that happened right as the the bell rang at the end of the period so the the hallway flooded with people I went to grab my pants and dropped all the cymbals so everybody just heard a crash and then me standing there in my underwear uh, embarrassing moment. but my most embarrassing on air was with a a radio station from the metro area, I I won't name the station because there's probably some type of competitor with you, (laughs) but uh, it was a live live, uh, show and we were comparing uh, the lakes In the spring versus the fall And I said, you know, in the spring It's a period of of regrowth And everything's new It's kind of like a a child being born And in the fall The lakes are decaying and dying And and it's kind of like Somebody's death And (laughs) it was a really Poor analogy And it was live (laughs) So I heard about that one for a very long Uh, time Poor choice of words
0: Well, the most embarrassing thing in my life occurred when I was in high school and we were all at the Chesterberg Auditorium in Grand Forks because multi- and this was multiple high school drama clubs were there. And so there's all these high school kids on stage and we're there and we're doing these um, exercises you're supposed to do before you go on stage. And we all had to do a squat and my pants ripped. Oh. In front of all of those students in, oh my. in an auditorium with the most exquisite acoustics ever.
1: And here, as soon as you started talking about the exercises, I thought you were going straight to flatulence. <laughs> no, no. Which would have opened an entire sub-category of <laughs> conversation for
0: both of us. Yeah. Nope, <laughs> but it ripped. Everybody heard it. Everybody saw it. Yeah. Oh, my. You know, and you're 16 years old. That, you know, it's not
1: it's good. It's not good. <laughs> it's just not good. There you have it. <laughs> Your fast five with Kev Jackson.
0: Wow. Well that's not painful. I'm glad. I'm glad it doesn't hurt Thanks as much that. as some people claim it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I had five set for you, so now I gotta hold those off till next time.
1: Which means we get to talk again. I haven't been fired.
0: No, absolutely not. No, 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 no. We'll probably have to do
1: something before the ice freezes. Definitely. I, I as we get into fall fishing, I'm excited. I, you know, I know some some people um, who are are done guiding for the year. Uh, one of my close buddies, Jeremy Anderson, who uh, is one of our guides here, uh, he's wrapped things up for the year as we start to get into fall sports and into the school year. Jason Freed. You know, head football coach. Yeah, uh, he's not going to have time to guide anymore, and his, his boat's already down the road to its new owner. Um, I, however, will be on the water until I can't chisel out ice <laughs> from the access to get the boat in. So I know right now, my September, every every one of my weekends in September and October is already full, and I've got lots of trips after school. I bring my boat to school almost every day, so the kids know, uh, you know, he's he's going fishing tonight. He's he's guiding somebody. Um, so you'll have to check in to see what stories we accumulate <laughs> you know, through through this fall.
0: Well, listen, if, if uh, anybody wants to do something with GoFish Guide Service, sounds like you're pretty booked already for the fall, but um, even for next year already, uh, how can they go about getting set up?
1: Well, never let the schedule deter you because a couple reasons. One is sometimes I have a little bit of flexibility where I can move people around if they're staying for a long period of time. The other thing about coming to fish in the Parker Rapids area is we have a very unique situation here. We don't have competition between our guides whatsoever. Uh the majority of us are teachers, one is my stepson, uh and they are wonderful people. There's a radio show uh from a competitive station, Kev Sari, that that <laughs> asked me twice this summer they said you know there's several guides in the park rapids area what sets you apart why should somebody come out with you versus one of the other guides in the area and i said no i don't think you understand you 100 should go out with one of the other guides in the area because they're fantastic we've got guys like jeremy anderson isaiah Hahn, tj erickson lee Skieski, aj pappas i mean some these guys are fantastic to be with in the boat they're going to educate you on uh how to catch fish um a lot of different things beyond simply catching fish. And you're going to, you know, get some good ones in the process. So I encourage anybody to come here and hire any of our guides. But if you want to specifically get in touch with me, and I tell people I'm an open book, don't ever feel like you're bothering me. If you have any fishing question whatsoever, I had a guy call this morning who's interested in buying a lake cabin. And he just called and said, hey, uh, tell me about this lake. And I, you know, talked to him for 10 minutes about that. So you can always find me on my cell phone which is area code 218-252-2278. You can find me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, either under Jason Durham or Go Fish Guide Service. And, of course, you can find me on my website, which is go-fish-guides.com.
0: Jason, great having you, in as always, thanks for taking the time today.
1: Hey, thanks, Kev. What an absolute pleasure.
0: Well, another great show, if I may say so myself. That'll do it for this week. I'm Kev Jackson. Thank you for taking the time. Got some great ones coming up next week, too. This has been the Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast. Sponsored by Visit Bemidji and Grant Haven Campground. The Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Podcast is also sponsored by Bemidji State University and Northwest Technical College. And don't forget, you can listen to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country on KB101FM and KBUN Sports Radio 104.5 weekdays, as well as Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors Saturday mornings on KBUN Sports Radio 104.5, B93.3 in Brainerd Baxter, and KICK FM in Alexandria.